When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Wednesday, May 3rd, 2023. Did you realize 15 years ago this week, the original Iron Man movie arrived in theaters? Oddly, Jim, uh, I track all of the uh, the summer releases around the May 4th holiday because those are what are known as Aaron's birthday movie. Oh, okay. It started back when uh, Spider-Man came out in 2002, mm-hmm. and it seems like I have been blessed with a birth date that co-aligns with Marvel's like first release of summer. And Ooh. so, yeah, uh, when Iron Man came out, that was that was a birthday movie for me. And uh, I've mm-hmm. enjoyed many since then, and this year I'll look forward to Guardians Three as my birthday movie. But yeah, yeah, I'm I'm totally down with the, the release calendar for Marvel. And I have to say, folks, I recently rewatched this John Favreau film. As far as I'm concerned, Robert Downey Jr. was still genius casting as Tony Stark. Uh, Sam Rockwell, who would eventually go on to play Justin Hammer, Tony Stark's rival in Iron Man Two reportedly had the inside track on this role in the original Iron Man movie until Favreau saw Downey's screen test come in. And as recently as last September, uh, it was rumored that Rockwell's Justin Hammer character, who would be coming back in Thunderbolts. That would be a welcome return, I must say. That film is supposed to arrive in theaters in July of next year, due to go before the cameras next month. But you got to wonder, is the writer's strike going to screw that up? And particularly given the Marvel process of reworking films on the set and reshooting and that sort of thing. I mean, the original Iron Man actually dodged a bullet. Filming on that began back in March of 2007, ended in late June of that same year. And that was the year of the last writer's strike. In fact, that writer's strike began in November 2007, wrapped in February of 2008. Iron Man was basically in the can, and they were able to do some tweaking after the facts once the strike was resolved in February of 2008. Which brings me to my other point, and I'm wondering if we can recruit marvelous Disney listeners to help us out with this, but... You know about the end scene for the original Iron Man, where Samuel L. Jackson, as Nick Fury, uh, has somehow broken into Tony Stark's house. But he's there to talk to him about the Avengers initiative. But it's only as of 2019, we learned that there was a line that was cut out of the the original version of the scene Mm -hmm. where Nick Fury is just talking about what he has to deal with on a day-to-day basis, these pain-in-the-ass superhero guys. And there was a throwaway line to the effect of, as if gamma accidents, radioactive bug bites, and assorted mutants aren't enough to deal with. 
in the end credit scene of the very first MCU movie, you have Nick Fury acknowledging that the Hulk exists, that Spider-Man exists, that the X-Men are out there. But once they filmed it, this is a, when a Marvel Studios isn't owned by a Disney. This is Marvel Studios with its deal with Paramount. And they kind of looked at the line and realized... Uh, Sony's going to give us crap about this in 20th Century. Fox is going to give us crap about this. How many lawsuits have we opened ourselves up to with just one sentence? <laughs> well, this, this is it exactly. But, but think about it. It's now 2023, and Disney owns Marvel. More to the point, Disney now has the film rights to the X-Men. It also has a good working relationship with Sony. In fact, we were just talking in the last show how the bulk of Columbia Pictures' Spider-Man movies are now available for viewing over on Disney+. Plus. And, and it even has some sort of accord going with NBC Universal when it comes to the Hulk. So, Aaron, I say it's time for Marvel Studios to go dig this chunk of footage out of the vault and reinstate oh, it hell no. in the original. Hell no, that, bro that blows your continuity wide open. You, you'd have so many fan nerd boys doing the whole uh, Star Trek, excuse me, Mr. Shatner, in episode 37. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, because then you would say, well, if they know that Spider-Man's existed, why does it take like mm -hmm. five years before we get to meet the kid? And why is he only 16 at that point? That means he got bit when he was 11? Uh, the mutants, how come we haven't seen them for it now? How many years we've been in the MCU? 15? You know, uh, if it's been 15 years since Iron Man, yeah, 15 years. Still haven't seen a damn mutant, with the exception now of Miss Marvel being mentioned as a mutant and Namor being mentioned as a mutant. Took a long damn time for them to show up, so no, not right now. Not as a reinsert. Okay, you're going to force me to slap down the multiverse Oh, card. okay, yeah, actually, that is that is the new uh, overruled in MC. There we go, language. there we go, multiverse. <laughs> you know, so sure, look, okay, look, think about point. it. You're a Marvel Studios, and you're trying to get people to buy one more copy of the original Iron Man. Remember there was that version of Monty Python, Life of Brian, mm -hmm. that actually advertised, what, with 35 seconds of additional footage? Yeah, yeah. And I bought that copy. Well, there we go. Right. All right. So just from a PR move that, you know, it's effective. It's a 15th anniversary. And now you can buy the version where, where Nick Fury acknowledges the Hulk and Spider-Man and the X-Men are out there. And also, if we are thinking big picture mm -hmm. here. Wouldn't that also be a smart thing to put out there just a month ahead of Secret Invasion dropping on Disney Plus, the, the new Nick Fury centric limited series? Well, I do think that Disney is getting wiser in how they're releasing their stuff again, because mm -hmm. uh, as we have seen or not seen, Ant-Man 3 is mm -hmm. not yet on Disney Plus. Uh, it's available to buy digital copies. Mm -hmm. You will be able to get the physical Blu-ray and DVD here in like, I would say like that, is it the end of this week that it comes out? But still, we don't have it on Disney Plus, which means they realize if you put Ant-Man 3 on Disney Plus like weeks after it leaves theater, well, I have no incentive to buy the digital copy and I sure, sure as heck don't have any incentive to buy the physical copy yet. Because I've got it for free there, right? I say this as, and, and I'm, I'm, I will admit it, I'm an idiot. The physical 4K Ultra HD, the Blu-ray, the DVD, that is hit store shelves on May 16th. 16th, okay, I thought it was just on the 6th. Okay, so a couple weeks yet. Okay, but here's the thing. Okay, the film itself shows up on Disney Plus the following day. 
Is that May it? May 17th. Just one day? That's it. One oh, day. Well, I, I take back my statement. They haven't learned that, neither have I, because I'm still going to buy it. I am still going to oh, buy there's it. There's no because shame in I, being the collector and, and, and owning your media. That's fine. Now, what I do think, you know, since you're talking about re-releasing, you know, Iron Man with with a little extra clip, yeah, that's fine. You go ahead yeah. and do that. But I've mentioned mm-hmm. before, we've never had it like a quote-unquote director's cut of any of this mm-hmm. ever. It's just been whatever you saw in the theater. And the only variation we've had is either mm-hmm. the standard theatrical version or the IMAX version. That's the only real difference mm-hmm. so far. So I do know that there's got to be oodles and oodles of cut scenes that we still have not seen yet and different takes. I don't, I don't know that about Favreau. He doesn't seem like that kind of guy. You know, Favreau seems like a guy who makes an excellent cheeseburger. Well, no, he knows exactly what he's doing. But wasn't Iron Man 2 ad-libbed quite heavily? Well, uh, no, actually, it's it's so funny you say that because the, when they talk about uh, the filming of the original Iron Man, yet again, you're dealing with Robert Downey Jr. And yeah, there were, I mean... He never gives you the same take twice. No, that's it exactly. There's got to be something, yeah, there's got to be something there. But uh, I remember when they came out with uh, Spider-Man 2 and a half, the extended Doc mm-hmm. Ock sequence and all that, mm-hmm. and they swapped out the elevator scene in the movie. And I thought the first one in, in theatrical was brilliant. But when I see mm-hmm. the second one with completely different take of that entire mm-hmm. conversation was mm-hmm. incredibly hilarious. And I was just like, oh, my God, you know, the, it, you had a Sophie's Choice in the editing room. Two brilliant cuts of this one scene. Which do you go with? And and to be able to put out Spider-Man 2.5 with the extra footage or alternate take mm-hmm. of the same scene in certain instances mm-hmm. like that. Well, obviously, I, I paid for it and, and bought it up. But think about this. What if Marvel, mm-hmm. when they complete a phase, like mm-hmm. every, every movie comes out, you get your theatrical and that's it. Go to hell. Get off my lawn. But when the phase mm-hmm. is over... Everything gets repolished with a new alternate take or director's cut or extra deleted scenes put in for that extra 35 Monty Python seconds. And uh, mm-hmm. then they release a box set of that that phase and, and make you buy the whole damn thing all over again. Mm-hmm. See, that's that's where they're they're really missing out is, you know, milking the collector like it's a cow with the last drop of milk on earth. Just keep squeezing that teat until nothing comes out. I was feeling so proud of myself putting this bug in Marvel Studios' ears, and now you put an even bigger bug in there. <laughs> yeah, the whole just, beehive. Yeah. Oh God! All right. Oh well. All right. One final thing before we leave, talking about the original Iron Man movie, uh, because this, especially given how Elon Musk has been in the news, you know, for the past six or eight months with with the whole Twitter thing, but during pre-production. Of the original Iron Man, Favreau and Downey were given a tour of SpaceX by Elon Musk himself. And supposedly, Favreau wanted to get Robert in the same room as Elon because he wanted, look, Tony Stark, we're doing Tony Stark as a modern mad scientist billionaire. <laughs> and so I, I need to get you in the room with a real one. And the- And this is the guy, yeah. This is the guy. So it's like, you know, brilliant. so, all right. Well, you know, but at the same time, for those of you who are mad about what Elon's doing to Twitter, at least be happy that, you know, Robert Downey Jr. was in the same room and, and got up close. And it's like, okay, that informed a lot of his choices uh, for, uh, you know, Tony Stark. 
Moving on now, folks. Uh, remind you that that Aaron and I are recording this uh, podcast on Wednesday evening, May third, which uh, again, Aaron's birthday week. Uh, and you already mentioned that we've got Guardians Volume Three dropping. In fact, tomorrow evening, the very first preview screenings. Here's the thing, though. Mm-hmm. I was startled today. The first preview screening for this, mm-hmm. Aaron, three o'clock in the afternoon. Well, you know, yeah. some of us old timers have to hit the dinner buffet by about four thirty and use our senior citizens' ah. discount coupons and whatnot. So, yeah, we need the early show. Okay. I'm ready for a right. nap well, by seven. Okay, well, uh, you're going to have to maybe put off eating because this thing is two and a half hours long. Oh. So, and eat, you know, if you factor in those twenty minutes of, of trailers out ahead of this thing, and the fact that you have to say, because as Drew Taylor confirmed uh, from going to the uh, the actual premiere in Hollywood last week or thereabouts at the Dolby, there is a mid credits and there is an end credit, and but this thing is two hours and twenty nine minutes long. Well, I'll have to get my steak in the form of a shake and drink it while I'm in the theater. Isn't that steak, steak and shake? And yeah. Stay awake. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, anyway, folks, lots yet to cover. We'll get to some more Guardians Volume 3 stories second half of the show. But first, the news. And as always, the news portion of this week's Marvelous Disney is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience every time, please book online at Storybook destinations.com now we were uh just talking about the the latest art writer strike the wga walked out i want to say on monday did you see where they've hired uh a, a yet another writer for the blade movie nick pizzolato he and Herschel ali worked together on the true detective show Blade is supposed to go before cameras late this month down in Atlanta. And everybody who's in the guild has been told pencils down. They can't be working on anything that's going before camera. And more to the point, anything that shoots while the guild is striking Mm -hmm. has to be filmed as is. It cannot be changed. Neil Gaiman had posted recently that he is like Good Omen season two is wrapped on writing, but it's going to affect like he can't go out and promote the show as a writer as mm-hmm. as he is also joining the strike. And he's disappointed because he wants to promote his work, but he wants to, you know, stand with his guild and, and do that. So, yeah, it's really kind of weird how l- zero work. I mean, zero work can be done. Even yeah. a changing of a comma to a period could be punishable by some fine. Actually, as far as the guild is concerned, that that's a serious issue. And yeah. anyway, again, uh, supposed to go to, before the cameras uh, late May, with the hope of still making its September 6, thousand twenty four release date. So, going to be interesting to see what happens there. Somewhere in the Blade movie, they're gonna there's gonna be a spot where Blade suddenly fights a spaghetti monster and all goes into like sixty year old cartoon drawing. It's like I brought my kid in. We didn't have any choice. We didn't know what to do. He's not part of the union. He's not part of the guild. We were building, yeah, okay. Child labor is a completely different law we're breaking. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, moving on to another issue we uh, we discussed in a previous uh, marvelous Disney. We were talking about the four actresses that were supposedly in the running for Sue Storm in the Fantastic Four movie. And uh, did you see, uh, in the final week of the James Corden show, uh, Mila Kunis came on. And did you see when she she told her story about finding out that she was in consideration for the Fantastic Four? Yeah, well, 
the stories have gotten really crazy. You know, I want to talk more at length about this, but go ahead and, and do this part first, and then we'll tear it all apart and see what the heck's going on. It turns out that Mila is friends with Matt Shackman, the gentleman who's directing Fantastic Four. So they go out to lunch. So she gets home, and the next day, she, she opens the paper and says, next day, I'm somehow in Fantastic Four. And she's like, look, I'm not in it, but I had lunch with Matt. And he told me about the movie, and I know who's in it now, but I can't say. As Mila put it, I don't want to get in trouble with the mouse, so none of you will find out from me. Marvel PR team is on the case. They've got Mila covered. There you go. There we go. But don't get me wrong. We were just talking about the Blade movie, which, again, they're going to be shooting in May to make a... a September uh, 2024 release date. Fantastic Four is February 14, 2025. So we are months away from them shooting. Okay, so recently, in, in well, like last week's show, mm-hmm. it, th- we had discussed that Adam Driver was in consideration for Mr. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And previously, before that, the rumor was Marvel was focused on we're going to cast a mis- uh, invisible woman first and then cast mm-hmm. around her so yep. so then we get this oh adam driver's in consideration now here's the four girls we're considering right mm-hmm. and then mila was a part of that and then there were a, a couple other girls uh also in the running so after mila did her show and said yeah i, I know who's in it but it's not me and all that on twitter it was like the very next day that mm-hmm. there was some and i want to say it's a bogus rumor mm-hmm. that the uh offer had been made to uh, Margot Robbie to play the invisible girl. Oh. And so now here's the question. If mm-hmm. you start off and you say, Hey, we're casting the female first. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. Adam driver shows up and goes, I'd like to be fantastic. And you go, Oh, well, hold the phone. Let's mm-hmm. just grab this dude while we can. Cause he'd be great. Now let's find a female that would go with him. And he goes, you know who I'd like to make out with for a little while on camera, that Margot Robbie, she's quite a looker. And then the, is that, is that how it went? Cause she wasn't in the list. She was never in the pile. Where the hell did this come from? Right. And and I mean, it could be total BS and that's fine if it is, but it's like Mm -hmm. how rumor mills can generate all these weird little things out of it. And it's like, I've never, not that I have anything against Margot Robbie taking the role. It's fine. She's a wonderful actress, lovely look at great, but she was never in any of the rumors up until 24 hours ago. And that was only immediately after Adam Driver was added and Mila Kunis was debunked. Okay. Well, to further muddy the water here, Hollywood Reporter recently reported that Josh Friedman, who worked on Avatar The Way of Water, has been tapped to rewrite the script, which again, with the writer's strike, Josh could be well into a draft, but now can't hand it to anyone uh, until this issue is resolved. And people keep circling back to what Kevin Feige said at San Diego Comic-Con back in July of 2022 about what they're going to do with Fantastic Four. And basically, it's kind of borrowing a page from Spider-Man Homecoming, as in, we have done this origin story so many times, you know, that, that, that you know, there's no point, that there right. is literally no point in doing the Uncle Ben story again. So this is supposedly the same thing with Fantastic Four. It's like, look, everybody knows the Fantastic Four. You hey, know, guys, we just got back from space. Actually, it's taken a page from Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, there was a diamond heist. We all know about that. Here's the that happened afterwards. <laughs> oh, there we go. So, again, it's been 
Such a week in regard to if you, you're following the Marvel company where it's so many situations where the quiet part gets said out loud, mm-hmm. uh, which brings me to the, the Patty Lupone story, two-time Tony Award winning, a, a legitimate Broadway legend who got hired to appear in Agatha Coven of Chaos. She got asked just this past Saturday by Entertainment Weekly about the MCU and what she knew of it. And she flat out said she hasn't seen a single one of the 31 films, none of the eight television shows. And even at this point, she's in the middle of filming. And, uh, you know, I'm still not familiar with it. And finally decided, I better go watch WandaVision to figure out what's going on at the shoot because I, you know, and she watched it twice and still hasn't figured it out. Now, mind you, she's having a ball. She plays a character called Lilia Calderu, who is another witch who works alongside of Agatha Harkness. But she says, I'm having a blast. It's a wonderful group of women, plus a phenomenal crew. And, you know, the design is extraordinary. I, you know, loves the director, uh, Jack Schaefer, who says, very talented. But again, no clue as to what's going on. I mean, you know, the uh, half the day on set is like, okay, you're going to wave your hand in a little circle and twitch your fingers, uh-huh. and uh, we're going to create a giraffe. And she's like, okay, <laughs> you know, I'll trust that you're going to do that, and I'm not going to look like a fool. And then she waves her hand and tw- tw- twitches her fingers and then says, abracadabra, hocus pocus, and then something later is put in with CG, and she's like, well... I got paid a lot of money to wiggle my fingers today and say some gibberish. It was a, it was a good day on set. I tell you what. There we go. Uh, well, uh, and and just to be clear here, uh, this was not with a Marvel publicist in the room. Uh, Patty was out promoting. Uh, she has a, a key role in Bo is Afraid, Ooh. so she she was out doing press for that. And I'm I'm sure the folks at Marvel were very happy about what she was saying about. Her work on, uh, you know, Agatha, Coven of Chaos. I'm clueless. Oh, good answer. Good answer. We good. keep her. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. Anyway, folks, we have a lot of news to share about Guardians of Volume 3. Uh, but before we get to that, there's this. Aaron, you were referring to your birthday week, and we have Guardians Volume 3 coming. And But I know you're, you're traveling uh, coming up. So what mm. is the plan? When are you going to catch uh, or try to catch Volume 3? You know, it's uh, we've we've got so much going on. We're visiting with family. We're going to be staying at a vineyard. We're celebrate. We celebrated an anniversary. Uh, my oh, wife and I yesterday. Congrats! Oh, uh, thank very you. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, the uh, fourteen years is the year of the Bowser. I got her a, a Bowser that blows smoke from Mario, the Mario movie. <laughs> Wow, you're you're such a romantic. Oh, oh, oh. if you knew what? my wife, you, you, she cried when she saw it. She was, she was oh. very, very happy because okay. she's she's geek like me, and okay. uh, nerd things make us happy. So, mm-hmm. yeah, toys are all good in our house, and uh, mm-hmm. so that was our, our anniversary yesterday, birthday, uh, vineyard, family. So uh, when I get to see it, don't quite know, mm-hmm. but uh, if if we get to sneak into a theater uh, somewhere while while we're on the road, uh, certainly will. Otherwise, we'll have to wait till we get back home and and uh well who knows when that'll be okay okay well for myself and nancy i think we're going to stick with our standard uh, catching it the tuesday afternoon 
Mm. after it opens. I mean, it's a COVID-era behavior that we've kind of settled into. Mm -hmm. And by that point, we will know what this James Gunn film has made over its opening weekend. Uh, Current projections are $120 which we've discussed at a previous show, would be less than Volume 2 did back in 2018. But there have been a number of pieces written in the entertainment press that basically sort of pre-dread what the box office is going to be for Guardians, sort of taking the supposition off of the back of Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. And in fact, a, a piece I was looking at literally earlier today had a headline to the effect of the MCU has reached a tipping point. So uh, we decided to estimate conservatively, therefore you have predetermined it to be a failure. And I'm sure that a lot of media printing something like that, like, hey, projections are low for Mm -hmm. Guardians 3, Mm -hmm. would signal to a consumer who's not really thinking through all of the bullet points in the equation Mm -hmm. of, oh, it must be a bad movie. That's it. That's that's the conclusion. If it's not going to make as much as the previous ones, it must not be as good as the other mm-hmm. ones. Mm-hmm. Where they may not be th- thinking in of, of COVID terms or the fact that it's a longer movie where you don't get as, as many spins in a single day, which decreases your, your overall revenue in that opening weekend. I mean, there's things that change a number, and yeah, to estimate conservatively shouldn't be a bad thing, and for everyone to kind of jump on it and be like, it's going to suck. Of course, Gunn is getting hate from a lot of different angles right now. I mean, the DC <laughs> Fans just will not let go of anything. And I'm, you know, the the sad thing is I'm afraid that they're going to boycott the thing they love the most just because one person that's involved with it is someone that they deem not good for some reason. And it, it's so interesting you mentioned that because a couple people, friends at Disney, have reached out and it's just like, don't pay attention to Rotten Tomatoes. We, we are dealing with the Little Mermaid backlash, and we fully anticipate that there will be artificial downvotes of Volume 3 of Guardians just to punish Disney Mm -hmm. for putting a black aerial up on screen. And it's just sort of like, this is the age we live in. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, you, you mentioned James Gunn, and there's been a couple of really lovely stories about that period where Disney fired him. And what was going on behind the scenes. And the head of the studio at the time, Alan Horn, told his side of the story to the effect of, you know, somebody showed me these tweets and there was just no way to explain away jokes about pedophilia and and that sort of thing. He said, I just didn't get it. You know, and it's just James immediately took responsibility and was so incredibly gracious about it that, you know, I immediately began regretting making the decision. The other folks who sort of work behind the scenes to get him his job back and Rosario Dawson and Chris Pratt got everybody from the cast who were talking, not just the performers, but like the people who, who ran the cameras and the key departments and that sort of thing, signed this petition that they they quietly brought behind the scenes to Kevin Feige, to the effect of, I think you guys made a mistake. If you really want a third, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy movie, we'd really like you to reconsider this decision. And from Feige's side of the fence, he said, look, after the fact I can talk about this, we never looked at another director. We were always going to use the script that James wrote. 
so it was just a question of, okay, let's all wait, you know, let's all be quiet and see what happens here. And what was kind of interesting is that Horn on his own decided, okay, maybe we made a mistake here. And reached out to Feige and said, can you bring him in and we'll talk. And so they bring James back in and they're like, all right, maybe we overstepped here and we'd, we'd like to offer you the gig again. And he's like, oh, oh that's really sweet of you. The, the, thank you. But, but I've already booked this other job, you know, over at Warner's. And that means I'm not going to be available for two years. And Feige, to his credit, just didn't blink an eye. It's like, well, go make a good movie. And when you're done, come back here. So James Gunn gets hired to go over to DC to effectively revive DC Studios and to right the ship, so to speak, after a couple of really shaky films. But who vouches for him there? When David Zaslav is, well, I'm thinking of giving this job to James Gunn, and what do you think? And it's Alan Horn who had retired from Disney and Zaslav had brought him back to Warner's because it turns out that prior to going over to Disney, Alan Horn had ridden herd on the most popular, profitable series in Warner Brothers history, the Harry Potter movies. So Zazzlab brought him back over to the effect, well, you know, what do you think we should do? And the topic of uh, what they're doing with DC and that they were potentially giving this job to James Gunn. And Horn was absolutely very honorable guy. He definitely got hire him, class act. And so I, I just, I love that story. I just, I, I love that the guy who fired him came so completely around that he's vouching for him again mm. over at Warner's that no, this is the guy get him beyond that couple of little side notes to the, the guardians story. Evidently James had wanted to kill off Gamora in volume two. Okay. <laughs> and, and the folks at Marvel were like, uh, we kind of have plans for that character. Could, can you kill somebody else? <laughs> and so the cast of Guardians was so enamored of the way James Gunn directed their films mm -hmm. that when it came time for the Guardians characters to be in Infinity Wars and uh, likewise Endgame, and they were dealing with the Russos, and it's like, no, they're, they're good filmmakers. They really, you know, but I, I don't think they get the Guardian characters. And it's, you know, they'd have discussions among themselves. It's like, should we call James and have them talk to Anthony and Joe? Also, if James had had his way, we might still be a couple of years out from getting the final installment of the Guardians trilogy because he wanted to do a standalone Rocket and Groot movie. Oh, speaking of which, can you talk about the thing you found from Framestore on Twitter? Oh, yeah. Uh, recently, there have been a couple of tweets, and the first one that I had seen was uh, James had retweeted uh, from Framestore, and it was some test footage of, like, a baby Rocket raccoon. And... It's very, very convincing. I think the thing that really sells it is when the, the baby raccoon comes up to the camera and sniffs the lens, it, it fogs up the lens with its breath. Mm -hmm. And that that really helps sell the realism of a thing, you know, adding <laughs> breath to it. Uh, and then after that, the one that I actually really quite adored uh, quite a bit was, if you know the uh, evolution of man type chart, it would mm -hmm. be similar to that, except it's baby rocket all the way up to adult rocket and different stages in between. But he's walking across Abbey Road, uh, a la the Beatles. 
Oh, I love that idea. And, yeah. and and Aaron was nice enough to send me that link out ahead of us recording now. And, and seriously, so go seek out these things at the Frame Store uh, Twitter feed. They're, they're delightful behind the scenes video, uh, visual effects stuff, you know, well worth seeing. Just two more stories before we close out the Guardian segment here. To hear a lot of people talk, this is the last time we will see this iteration of the Guardians together. But Chris Pratt was talking about how he landed this gig. He had auditioned for a lot of Marvel projects before this. And and in fact, he was on Kimmel last week and flat out admitted, I auditioned for them all. I said, I had a really rough run at Marvel. I auditioned for Thor, but not even to be Thor, but to be one of the sidekick guys. And I didn't get a call back. But was he was he still overweight Andy Dwyer from Parks and Rec, Chris Pratt, or, or was he... Because I don't think he actually lost any weight and got physically ripped until he was cast as Star-Lord. And even then, they were like, oh, go ahead and stay doughy. We want a different kind of superhero. And he's like, no, I don't want to be the fat one. And mm. then he, he got all in shape at that moment. Wow. Okay. I I had not heard that but but no that that makes sense if you you think about the the shape he was in in the original guardians film but to circle back to him talking about this moment in his career he he said look it got to the point where i was never going to audition for marvel again i was like this is stupid i'm never going to be in a marvel movie but they convinced him one more time to come back to the table and he ended up in star lord and speaking of coming back to the table mcdonald's right now has Guardians Volume 3 toys. In fact, there are uh, eight of them. And I think the only one that was kind of interesting to me, and I'm trying to go into Volume 3 cold, and I'm trying not to read too much into the fact that you can't get a Gamora toy. You know, you can get a Star-Lord, you can get a Rocket, you can get a Groot, you can get a Nebula, you can get a Cosmo, you can get a Drax, uh, you can get a Mantis, and you can even get an Adam Warlock, but no Gamora. Did you see where McDonald's is phasing out plastic toys to be eco-friendly? Well, I mean, they got to do... Every everybody's got to do something to try mm. and and do a thing to make the mm. world a better place. So I guess that's okay. And maybe you know bribing children to eat junk with with <laughs> toys as your reward. Maybe maybe not the healthiest way to start off a relationship with food at a young age. So I, I see a lot of positive coming out of this. If you you listen subtly, there, folks, that was it was Aaron putting on his thirty second Street hat. You know, for his his wonderful podcast about you know the the, the way the world works, especially by way of of uh, Madison Avenue. Yeah. Oh well. All right. The the reason I'm bringing this up is that the volume three toys are plastic, and uh, from conversations uh, had with the folks at McDonald's, these may be the last plastic toys sold. Collector's item. Ding, ding, That's, ding. Cash this money. This is why I'm bringing this up, okay? Right. Up you know, to we go. But mind you, there also there's some sort of game that you can play with it. There's a QR code in the box. I have no idea. I just Is it called Find Gamora's Corpse? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I don't know about that. You know, that, that I, I, I have my, ne- my Nebula, who, by the way, is toy number two in her plastic bag. And I, I will do further digging out ahead of next week's show. But okay. again, just bringing that up. 
for the collectors out there. Because if, if again, if this is true, if McDonald's is phasing out with plastic toys and the last set of toys would be, you know, uh, Guardians Volume 3 might be something to try to chase down. Absolutely. But, so anyway, uh, to circle back again to Aaron's wonderful uh, new podcast, 32nd Street. So what are you covering this week over there? Well, last week we talked about the spokesperson, uh, you know, Tom Selleck and a reverse mm-hmm. mortgage, not a way to steal your home. It's a way to steal your home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this week we go on the flip side of that coin, uh, the anti-spokesperson. What happens when you uh, choose a spokesperson? They do something really foul in their personal life and uh, people start boycotting you and, and things go bad. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a whole dangerous side to putting your entire brand on a human being. Because uh, all humans have faults, so what happens when yours are discovered and you're the spokesperson? Oh, it's horrible. But uh, it's a lot of fun to talk about on 32nd Street. Cool. All right. Can't wait to hear that one. And in addition to 32nd Street, you, you also want to keep an eye on what Mr. Adams is up to on social media. So can you tell the nice folks where they can find you uh, on the Twitters and the like? Yeah, you can still locate me at Azaprod, A-Z-A-P-R-O-D. And I've been quite, kind of quiet lately because I'm on the road, but uh, we'll, we'll get back in action soon enough. Cool, cool. All right. As for myself, you can find me on Twitter still. Uh, likewise, over at Instagram, that's as Jim Hill Media. Now, over on Facebook, it's Jim Hill Media News. I uh, want to remind you, we have a couple of other podcasts here you might want to check out. Uh, we have, of course, uh, Disney Dish that I do with Len Testa. We also have Fine Tuning, which I do with Drew Taylor, who, by the way, also has a podcast of his own, Light the Fuse, about the Mission Impossible movies, well worth checking out. Also, I, you know, we're kind of working with Brian Gaughan on a big May the 4th podcast for looking at Lucasfilm. I just We have to actually sit down and record that one so that may not make the 4th. Beyond that, um, if you could do Mr. Adams and I a favor and head over to uh, Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend, well, not just the podcast you're listening to here right now, Marvelous Disney, but if you could give 32nd Street some love, that would be great. If you head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, well, that'll keep me in Happy Meal Toys. I got seven more to chase down. And that's going to do it for this week. Uh, So on behalf of Mr. Adams, thank you so much for listening, and we will be back soon.